0: Hello and welcome to Luann's Land Podcast, a place to find strength for your journey. Now, here's your host, award winning country music artist, Luann Hunt. Hello there, my friends. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast. I am thrilled about my guest on this episode. He is the son of legendary country superstar Whelan Jennings, and his name is Shooter Jennings. I'm I'm sure you've all heard of him. But Shooter has been making his own unique impact on the country music world for the last 20 years. He currently has a new album out that is just incredible. I've been listening to some of the tracks, and wow, wow. If you love authentic country music, you're going to want to get this album. So, without further ado... Let's welcome to the podcast, Shooter Jennings. So, Shooter, welcome to the program. I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm I'm very happy to be here and excited about playing at Typee and Harriet's and being up there. So, thank you.
0: Well, it sounds like you have some exciting stuff going on. So, um, I wanted to talk about that. I know you have a new album, Shooter, coming out. So, it's just—it's amazing to me that you have been so true to your roots, and I think from what I'm reading about this album, and then I also have listened to some of the tracks. It's—it's it's so authentic and so real, and I—I I just appreciate that myself so much. And I was hoping you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, I, I th- thank you for saying that. I mean, it's hard for me to speak to how real I am, but um, <laughs> but but the reality is, is uh, you know, I, I with music like at a very young age i became really obsessed with music and and it was at the time like Nine Inch Nails and Guns N Roses and Marilyn Manson and bands like that and and that led me along through my whole path and everything but like for my whole life i've i've liked so many different types of music and there's been certain ones that have been emo- very emotional me of course country's been a big part of my life but it's like uh, i've always one you know i've just always wanted to ch- like chase the inspiration on records and i never felt like it was i was i never got into music because i wanted to like be you know make money i mean of course it would be nice but like it was never about that it like, to me it was like about making something new and cool you know and that and the definition of new and cool changes from record to record and day to day to me and like in a way um uh, you know, I, I find myself going in different directions all the time, but at the same time, that is the whole time I've done that. And every time I've done it, I've done it from the, the honest like childhood type, like the me that was like 16 or 15 and like, you know, listening to a record that I loved and dreaming, like what it would be like to make a new record or something like it's always come from that, that kind of a place. So I guess, to speak to the about the real thing it, it's like it's honest and it's always been honest and in that way I, I may not have ever become a million, millionaire playing music but i know that i've that i can stand by every record i've made and know that they're all um they all authentically came from from my heart and my mind and whether whether if you hate it it's my fault and if you love it it's my fault kind of thing but but at the end of the day um i'm very proud of this record because of all, I think from the very beginning, I always, you know, I the country, from the put the O'Bat and country record on. Country was always the backdrop because I, I, you know, I grew up in it. I truly love it. I, I attribute Hank Jr. to kind of getting me back, getting me to play country in a way because it was there was there was a real connection with his music that I felt that really kind of I could I, I could find a bridge between the other music I liked and country music through his unabashed, like, his fashion of not caring and kind of mixing his favorite kinds of music together. And my dad did the same thing, but, uh, you know, that was always there, so you kind of take a lot of those things for granted. So, like, I, I, you know, either way, with those kind of country records or all the records I've done, I think I always had, like, this other, like, if I would go in the country music direction, there'd be another side of me, like the Nine Inch Nails kid would be like, well, don't let don't let yourself get pinned into just doing this. Like I always felt like I had to kind of push in because I, you know, and I love like hard rock music and I love like rock and roll music and all kinds of music. So it's like there were always things that I would pull from other types of music and and mix them in, in a way because I was trying to do something new, which was new at the time a lot of people do it now. But at the same time I always had this kind of mental axe to grind of saying, like, I'm not just country. Like I just want everybody to know like I'm not like just some country guy. Like I'm you know but this time around I felt like I'd been through enough and I'd proven enough. I think in in mentally and confidence wise I was really excited to go in and just make a solid country record. And I didn't feel like I had to put like a song on it that was like had psychedelics or had like um uh, you know, like any, just any weird, anything. I just felt like it just had to be, I wanted to cut the most country record that I had ever done and it kind of be in the vein of like a Hank Jr. record because he was such a huge influence on me and a lot of the boogie woogie, because he had a lot of like the Jerry Lee Lewis and I played piano and there's a lot of Chuck Berry and his music and stuff. So it's like, you know, my dad's era was different. And of course there's a lot of that in mine, but Hank Jr.'s era was definitely like, being influenced by my dad's era and the and like the 50s, 60s rock and roll, so it's like there was you know going into this record. I know that was a very long answer for what you asked, but but going into this record, it was like let's make a boogie woogie country record, the one that no one's making because everyone all of a sudden is, is like being smart with country music. So let's let's go the let's make the opposite direction as everyone else and make a really solid 1987 style country record. Do you know what I mean?
0: Right. And that's the thing I've always loved about what you do, because, you know, you don't try to follow the mainstream. You're uniquely you. And that that's just really rare these days. Um, One of the things that drives me crazy about country music these days is, you know, it's all it all just sounds the same. And, you know, I know everybody's been saying that, but it truly does just kind of sound the same. And, um, you know, you just get tired of it. It's like, do these people not have a creative bone in their body? Are they just doing it to make money or what? But, you know, with you, it's like you're truly an authentic artist and you're going to do what's in your heart and you're not looking to have validation from the music industry to say, oh, yeah, you know, that that's what's mainstream now or whatever.
1: I, well, I appreciate you saying that very much. It's a big compliment. But, it, but you know, I think that that. It's actually not about that. I don't think that any one of these people, like I don't think Luke Bryan or Florida Georgia Line, I don't think, you know, and I don't listen to any of this stuff. I've talked to Luke Bryan once on the phone. He was a very, very nice guy. But I don't think there, any of them are looking for validation. I think what we, what you get, what we're seeing right now. I think whenever there's a pattern of, of really original music, there'll be a bunch of really original music that happens at a time, and then after the main, what happens is the mainstream figures out that formula, and then they start, they start making their version of it, and that's when it starts all sounding the same. Like a, a good example of this would be like when Van Halen came out, you had all these really great original bands that kind of sounded like that. And then towards the end and middle to the end of the eighties, like every single band sounded like that. And what, what you, well, in those other bands had broken up. Like, so what you're kind of seeing is like the, the machines processing of a previous era, whether or not you want to call it it, like things like Rascal Flats, which I hated when it came out, but things like that were the originators of the thing that we're at now which is kind of the the replications of that and it's everywhere and and you know the whole pop country thing has been an evolution but i think what you just see a lot of these guys are good guys with good voices and they they have to succumb to whatever the industry is doing and what they're doing is following trends and looking at analytics and seeing what sells more and and that's why you end up with like florida georgia line having the number one country song of all time on billboard, like uh, ahead of like George Strait and Hank Williams and stuff. And and it's just because, you know, you can game analytics, like you can game Vegas. So these people are doing that. And what the result is the people in the, the normal people that don't really have the time to go and find music, good music. uh, What they get is the result of the gamification of um you know the financial side of music until you get enough people who kind of break the mold enough that it kind of puts that all to rest aka like grunge happened and you know like Nirvana wasn't the greatest band of the whole bunch they were just the one in the right time at the right moment but then all of a sudden all the other bands became you know popped out and then you had this sound that Hootie and the Blowfish became the processed version of, even though those guys might've written those songs, I don't really know, but by the time that Hootie and the Blowfish and like Creed and those kind of bands were coming out, that, that the gamification had become that thing. And then, you know, you know, uh, I don't mean to get too analytical about it, but it's like, I feel like that, that right now we're just in the middle of a period where there's a lot of uh, garbage on the radio because they figured out a formula to sell stuff. So it's like, I think, you know, I think we're right around the corner. Radio is such an outdated thing. Streaming is like, Facebook's crashing 25% yesterday. Who knows it may go under. Like, all this kind of stuff is happening, and, and it's exciting to me because you don't know what's going to happen next, but but somehow people are still finding music. And you got Sturgill, like, at the top of the pile, which is awesome, and you have Chris Stapleton selling millions of records, and and, you know, you have all this kind of and without being on the radio, it's like you have just, it's just a weird Wild West time. And it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even hear those country songs that you're talking about. Like, I don't really hear that music ever. Like I, cause I don't even have, I don't, can't tell you last time I listened to FM radio and I'm not like tuning in. Like I have a show on Sirius, but I listen to Howard most of the time and I find music on my phone. I, I listen to my, the station that I like outlaw country or like, uh, lithium which is like a 90s channel or, you know but like you find the music you want to hear now and it I, like I, you, I don't really get force-fed music anymore so I, I did I did watch the, the CMT, CMT awards the other day which was like man and I love like Leslie Fram who, who runs like CMT like they have some really good people there and I think again they're a result of the gamification of analytics and, and that's why we don't have videos anymore and things like that but the CMT awards were so retardedly like, I mean, sorry, that's not right PC, but, but like, uh, they, I mean, it was just so like, it had been dumbed down to the point where it was like, I mean, it was the Backstreet Boys won an award and then like, and, and there were all these bands I'd never heard of. And there was like, you know, the big bands and there was these bands like Midland who look like hipsters from Silver Lake or Brooklyn but they were singing like pop country. I was like, what is happening? Like it was, I mean, I couldn't even make it through it, but it was like, it was so far disconnected from like my weird little world that I kind of felt like, I felt like I didn't even, it almost felt like it might, maybe making the most money, but it felt by far the least relevant. And so in some way it was kind of like, I think it's like that thing in that Adam Sandler movie. It's like everyone now is dumber from having listened to that. Like it was kind of, that situation out i mean like all those guys i'm sure are nice guys and they're in those bands i find all the time they're always very nice but you know at the same time like ted bundy was a nice guy too so
0: (laughs) yeah well yeah and you know i i agree with everything you're saying and you know i was like i said i was listening to some of your music earlier and uh I just, I just fell in love with rhinestone eyes. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. And it, you Thank know, you. it's just, uh, you know, it is coming from a place inside of yourself that, uh, like you said, is honest and it, you know, the song moved me and that's what is missing from most of the music out there. It just doesn't move you anymore. And, um, I listened to, uh, Fast Horses and Good Hideouts, and that moved me, and it was like, wow, you know, this is the bar here that that we should be looking to for country music.
1: Oh, that you are so sweet. Thank you. I, I, I mean, so complimentary. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm very proud of those songs. You know, like, uh, Rhinestone Eyes is about my wife, and, and I kind of wrote it uh, when, I, when I first talked to Dave Cobb. I had already written Fast Horses and Good Hideouts, but when I first talked to Dave Cobb about doing this record, I sat down and I wrote Rhinestone Eyes and Shades and Hues. And um, my wife is like, finally, I get us." We've been married five years. And she's like, I've heard all these songs about all these other women. Like, when am I going to get a song? But <laughs> I wrote that song. You know? But it's what I love about it, I it was very, like, that song was kind of a struggle for me to sing. It's like all the, at first, I love doing it now. But I, I, I did not expect, I thought it was just kind of a silly little song, you know, and. I didn't expect but, but that one has really been one people a lot of people have reacted to and it makes me happy because it's very in the vein of my dad's thing and it's a very heartfelt song about a true thing and it's like, you know, that people react it's surprising that people are reacting to these to these kind of the, the kind of simple and sweet and nothing no frills kind of song than you know instead of like ones that are, you know, like even though denim and diamonds we just released it's got all like these guitars and you know it it's just this other one's just kind of the words and the, the lyrics and, and so it means a lot, it makes me smile on stage and kind of almost come to tears sometimes when I'm singing it when when I'm getting a good reaction to it because it just makes me feel happy about the people that I'm surrounding myself with at the show, you know what I mean
0: Right, right and your heart is there and and that is so wonderful to see that in an artist these days And obviously your fans are connecting with that. And it's something that, you know, we hope that that inspires other people where they see it and they notice it and they want to go out and and do the same instead of just, you know, making music for the money or whatever.
1: Wow, you're like, I'm like blushing. You you know, I, I feel that way too, though, by the way, because it's not about my own music and influencing other people and stuff, but it's how like... It's how it's always worked for me is that like I'll hear someone else's thing and it'll move me so much that I'll you know whether it be like I get excited or it's rock and roll or whatever but and I'll listen to it like thirty or forty times but it becomes part of the uh, the bigger fabric for me when when I'm like making something new like it becomes part of some kind of subconscious. Grab bag that that has 18 million songs in it that I've heard over my entire life that that I like or whatever you know and it is like that if if you if you see someone else taking a daring move it it really drives you drive like if I see someone else do something really daring and there's been many years like through my career where I didn't see people doing things like that but nowadays like in country like when Sturgill's been around and like, like it drives me because, you know, I want to know what he's going to do next, and when I hear what he does, I go the opposite direction because I'm because I know he's one of the few people in which I feel like we have a very we're, we're we're close friends, but but I feel like we have a very musical connection. We kind of come from the same background musically. We have the same ideas. He likes my records. I like his records. Like, and so in that way, we kind of. I and I I don't know that he does this, but I feel like that he also when he sees whatever direction I'm going, he goes the other way too. And it's kind of a way of staying out of each other's path in a way. But, but like his, like when I hear like, you know, sailor's guide to earth, it excites me. It makes me want to do something else, you know, and not go in that direction and do something, you know, but at, at the same time, like I'll hear like guys like, um, uh, Ty Siegel is this guy. I don't know if you know him. He's a California like rock dude. And he has, he had some great records and he put out a record last year or maybe, yeah, I guess it was last year. Maybe it was earlier this year. And it was called freedom's goblin. And I heard that record and I was like, damn, like just the rock stuff is so cool that it made me like, like be like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta up my game in the rock area. Like it it makes me feel like, wow, this dude's on the front of this, you know,
0: you're a true artist and it's, Like I said earlier, it's just refreshing to see that. And I wanted to ask you, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you, you know, um, obviously your dad inspired you in in countless ways, but I want to know where your own inspiration came from through maybe things outside of just growing up in the music world to be such a trailblazer in life.
1: Well, I mean... I have to say that my mom and dad were very like, looking back now, I, I was really lucky. They were really unique because my dad really had um an unspoiled kind of look to the music business. I mean, he had been through a lot with it, but he won and he so he always had this kind of um it was just unspoiled, it was unjaded and unspoiled and like the way he looked, like way he got excited about music. Same thing I'm talking about right now and you and I were talking about, like he would hear like when Dire Straits on every street came out, like he listened to that record like a ton of times. And he would listen to like when he and I, he asked me to, I was into Nine Inch Nails and that was really the band that convinced me that I could do music because I wasn't cool enough. I was a nerd. I was a computer nerd and I played piano already and I played drums a little bit and I, I played drums first, but it was like I had done, I was better at piano already. And I, I knew that like, um, I just didn't know many guys in school that were like in bands and things. Like I wasn't cool with those kids. So like, and I was just kind of a loner. And when I heard that this one guy had made all this music that I loved so much, essentially by himself, he would bring in other people here and there, but it was essentially, he's doing everything himself. I thought, Oh, well then I could do this. I think I could do this. And that kind of got me to step into that direction. That was kind of how I found my own way. But like with my dad, like, I would play him music that I liked, and he played music that he liked. And we watched uh, the uh, Woodstock 94 together. I was really dying to see 9 Inch Nails, but we watched the whole thing. And, um, and he loved Primus. So then all of a sudden, like, for, like, the next, like, couple months, he had Primus pork soda in his car, and he would listen to it all the time. And so he had this kind of same thing where it was like there was no there was nothing about music that had anything to do with money or had anything to do with fame or, or anything. And in fact, he has a really great quote that I I would misquote if I try to do it now, but that I have framed somewhere in this house, um, about, you know, you better not be in it for any reason except for just caring about the music because otherwise, you know, you're going to, you're going to find it to be a letdown. And, um, and he, so he was that way. And I saw it in his like natural personality all the time. And so to me, I didn't know that that was any different than anyone else who played music. It was, it just felt like that was the way it was. But my mom is also the same way. And she grew up in church and she plays music on the piano all the time. And she still to this day is a very musically driven, connected person. And she listens to music and adapts it. And, Finds things that she loves and goes through phases, and so like I kind of was lucky enough to grow up with with these two people that that ha- was almost like lived in a musical fa- fantasy land, you know, and a uh, creative fantasy land. And so for that reason, it's like I kind of just inherently stayed in a musical creative fa- fantasy land that I still live in. And now my kids are kind of in their own creative fantasy lands. I mean, my son's seven, he's just figuring it out, but my daughter, Bama, she's going to be 11 this year, I mean, she's just nonstop making stuff, whether it be art, she drew on from the time she was really young and she's incredible at drawing and then she got into computers and into piano and so she's kind of just always making things and I love to see that in them, but I, I, I know it's it comes from my parents and what I saw with them and how that affected me so I think for some reason, in that way, you know, um, it's like the song says, "goes." But what, what, uh, sometimes it's heaven, sometimes it's hell, sometimes you don't even know. But it feels that way, like in a way that I've never looked at music as as a career. I've never liked money. I've never liked, you know. And I'm I'm sure that I've, I've had a very fortunate life that I grew up in having, you know, some money. And my parents were like million, like crazy millionaires or anything like that. But it was like. I had a very comfortable and great childhood. But, you know, I I feel it's always been about creativity and it's always been about liking other people's work and wanting to make your own work and your own piece, whatever it is. And so I guess I just feel like growing up in that allowed me to have the freedom to just believe in in the in the fantasy land and, and in that way I kind of was able to dream my way to LA and figure it out. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm fine if I never become like a big millionaire and make a million dollars or anything like that. I, I, I'm able to support my, my family and, and, and have a life and a house and love, I love California. I'm able to survive. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm, and I'm getting to make lots of records and produce other records on other people. And, and I'm loving doing that. and, and, It's kind of as passionate, I'm as passionate about doing records on other people as I am about doing my own, because I kind of see it all as the same thing, you know, it's just one of them I'm singing on, the rest of them it's other people, but it's like, I just love making new things out of thin air that weren't there before, that's just such a high for me, and, and for it to work, and have people actually like it, and be able to support my family with it, that, I'm in a great position, you know?
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I always like to leave my listeners with words of wisdom from my guest about, you know, some, something that helps keep them strong in this journey of life that have obviously has so many ups and downs. So is there anything you'd like to, to say to them? <laughs>
1: Like I could give you the greatest quote of all time, which is that Ralph Mooney, the pedal steel player that played for my dad, gave to a very young Robbie Turner, who's also another great steel player, which was, pick you one good drug and stick with it, kid. That was a really good piece of advice. But uh, otherwise, I just think do your own thing. If I'm going to get serious about it, I would say just do your own thing and stick by it. Don't worry. Just do it for you. Don't uh, People will come. If you're playing music, if you're if you're not playing music in life, do your own thing. Everything will will fall into place as long as you do your own thing.
0: Oh, I, I absolutely love that, and I I live by those words myself. So I I totally relate. And um, obviously, you've been doing your own thing and doing it so very very well. Best wishes with everything. I, I know that CD is going to be a big success, and I'm going to get myself a copy. <laughs> so
1: oh well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate. Um, the support in doing this. It was very nice talking to you and all the kind words.
0: What a nice guy. And it's so wonderful to see someone of his stature be so humble. Anyway, if you want to find out more about Shooter and his new album and his upcoming tour dates, just log on to www.shooterjennings.com and you can get all the info I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'd like to end it with one of Shooter's songs from his new album Rhinestone Eyes. I think you're going to love this one.
2: I see you in the starry night I see you in the ballroom on the floor Come to me, my rhinestone eyes Come to me just like you did before Many years have passed. You're just as beautiful as you ever were. Come to me, my rhinestone eyes. Come to me and hold me through the storm. There's shadows in my mind. you waited for me like a little dog. Oh, come to me, my rhinestone eyes, I've yet to learn that which you really love. Like an anchor in the rain, you wrap me like a chain around so deep. Oh, come to me, my rhinestone eyes, I'm ready for your heart to safely keep. The shadows in my mind Shadows on the Highway up ahead Come to me, my rhinestone Eyes, let me rest my
0: Luan's Land podcast on Tuesdays from noon to twelve thirty p.m. Pacific at Luan's or Luan's Land Follow the show on Facebook at Luan's Podcast and on Twitter at Luan's Land. All episodes will be archived for free on-demand streaming.